Hello and welcome to the Pinch of Magic podcast with me, Rebecca Anuwin. Today I am delighted to be joined by Ethne. She is an inspiration. Technically, you could call her the witchy headmistress of the Tarot Readers Academy, author of many, many decks. But I love, love, love her creativity, how she just keeps showing up over and over again on Instagram, inspiring people to trust their intuition and get their decks out. So, Ethne, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be having a chat with you. We were just saying we've known each other or of each other in those kind of circles for quite some time, but neither of us can really remember when. (laughs) No, time is a weird thing. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And I particularly know you through um, cards and tarot. So tell us, when did you first become involved with tarot? all the way, way, way back when? Yes, when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Um, (laughs) I I picked up my first tarot deck when I was 15. I found tarot through um, my connection with modern witchcraft and Wicca. And it was kind of like I found the language of intuition that worked for me very early on. I was very lucky. Uh, and it's been a part of my life ever since. So did tarot come first or did the witchiness come first? The witchiness came first. Oh, tell me about that beginning then. So I gave myself the name Ethany when I was probably 10 or 11. Wow. I, <laughs> I used to play games with the local kid, like my friends, and it was Ethany the Good Witch, and I'd send them off to get ingredients like dandelion flowers and things like that and I wanted to be Galinda from the Wizard of Oz mostly because of the dress and the fact <laughs> that she could travel via bubble very envious Hashtag, of course and, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and so I was always very connected to magical things I that was just the world I wanted to live in and I'd always been able to see spirit not always the greatest gift to have as a child but mm. So it was always sort of going to head that way, I think. Um, and I was lucky that my parents weren't radically religious and they weren't, you know, they didn't send me to an <laughs> to get an exorcism or anything like that. And so I found modern craft and Wicca at, at 15 and that was it. And then part of your journey in a lot of magical practices and spiritual paths is to find a source of divination or find a source Mm. of magical practice that will help you connect with your intuition. And tarot was the one that really drew me in. And then, yeah, it's been a love affair ever since. So did your parents encourage you or did they not discourage you? That's a really good question. So they didn't discourage me but they encouraged me later on. So Mm. my mum is a tree-hugging hippie and is not a fan of organised religion. My father's Church of England, so um, he was a little bit like, "Mm," you know, at the beginning, but there was no organised religion in my household growing Mm. up. So it wasn't until I started to bring, I guess, books in that were that kind of explained, you know, like Cunningham and things like that, that explained actually what it is versus maybe what Hollywood has said that the craft is or whatever, that my parents were kind of like, okay, this is all right. And then as I kept 
developing as a person and they were like okay cool well she's not getting into trouble she's got good friends she's it's it became more about like oh well that's just the framework in which she wants to mm. you know practice her spirituality and it's a part of who I am, but it's not, it doesn't make me a good or bad person. It's just yeah. part of my, my expression. So, and then it never went anywhere. So they became very encouraging and have always been extremely encouraging. I think once the worry of like, what is this went mm. away, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And they could see, like you say, I love that. It's like the framework that you're yeah. like lens that you're viewing the world through rather yeah. than you know like say the, the dramatic movies of like tarot or witchcraft yeah so- and the funny thing is is that sorry but the funny thing is is that <laughs> I have two sisters one older and one younger and the one who is into witchcraft was the one who graduated school went to university <laughs> <laughs> you know all this that they're wildly successful both of my sisters but the one that that was more into this rebellious spiritual path was the one that actually did better in the institutions like education versus the other two. It was very weird dynamic. I wonder if that's because she never lost a sense of self because hopefully she went in there with already a sense of self. So it could, she couldn't get shaped as easily perhaps, which gave her, which could have given her the edge maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So when you're exploring your craft, what did you come to understand and how does what's your understanding of magic today and how that shows up? Oh, that's that's great because, I mean, I'm turning 40 this year, so it's been a long, hot minute, and my understanding has been it has changed and evolved as mm. I have, but I really believe that you can be a co-creator with the cosmos, with the universe mm-hmm. in your life, and that is a massive powerful thing if you have a spiritual framework where everything is out of your control or you are life happens to you and not for you that can be very difficult to try and engage in a way that creates lasting change Mm. Uh, whereas with the craft even though now I'd say I'm an eclectic witch that with a lot of Wiccan framework I'm not a practicing Wiccan witch um, I would say that I'm like, okay, I know I'm responsible for where I'm at, how I behave, how I move through the world, the person I want to be, the mother I want to be. Uh, so that is a massive, <laughs> a massive game changer. But it also means that I can co-create the life that I want. Um, mm. And that has been huge. So magic is for me everywhere. It's in everything. It's in the words we speak. It's the interactions we have with each other. It is in nature. And I will never not be in awe of nature and mother nature and just the the brilliant world around us right down from how quantum physics works all the way through to just like, look at that pretty sunset, you know? So <laughs> <laughs> I guess I've never lost that sense of wonder and curiosity. Mm, yes all wondering curiosity my favorite words to do with life (laughs) and I love what you said then about that energy of co-creation because it's like that energy of responsibility isn't it and it's like oh responsibility it's like yay we have responsibility this is amazing I get to choose change and it's like oh god responsibility it's all down to me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which yeah, of course you know, definitely both, both of those, those are, yeah I say it's, those are definitely obviously the wild extremes there but it is 
I do. I have this like absolute love of responsibility and going, yay, I can choose how I'm showing up today. I'm responsible for the energy I bring, for the attitude. And then it's like, my goodness, really? It's for me to do it. I can't blame someone else. Yeah, yeah. I can't I can't dip out of this one. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Another lesson I have to learn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So how, when then did you know that this was a path you wanted to teach? Because like I said, you are the headmistress of the Tarot Readers Academy. Um, you run a summer school every year. For quite I run time. lots of different programs. So yeah. I have been, I did do summer school for a few years. Uh, I run an online eclectic coven mm-hmm. and I have many different classes on the tarot. And so I, didn't really come to that. It kind of fell into it by accident, which is a little interesting. So I worked in the corporate world for a really long time in Australia and I loved it. It was very challenging and I had a lot of great experiences. I was very fortunate. And then I decided to pack up my shit and move to Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, And five months later, I got pregnant and that was a, a miracle pregnancy and very happy. And I was working in a job I hated. I was going home crying every day because I was finding that I couldn't get work here aligned with the work that I was doing in Australia, which was ridiculous because they were saying, you don't have a Canadian experience. It's like, I have worked for some of the biggest companies in the world and you're telling me I can't work at fucking Lululemon? Like, are you even kidding me? Ridiculous. So... I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to be at home with my son as much as I can. I want to be there to drop him off at school and pick him up. Mm. My parents had to work a lot because they were people who left their countries and, you know, were in Australia, so they had to work all the time. And so I just went, all right, well, I'm going to take a big leap of faith and do this tarot thing. And it morphed from doing tarot readings online and readings with clients and then working on, you know, how to build an audience. And then that morphed into, okay, well, now I'm speaking at the Northwest Tarot Symposium for the first time. And then that was going, the the topic that I chose was going to be a free opt-in, like a free offer. But then it turned into a book, which then turned into a book deal with Llewellyn, which then turned into, so it kind of just like snowballed. But I was always doing tarot, witchy, spiritual stuff in my downtime Mm. in in Australia. So while I was working in the corporate world, I was also teaching tarot. I was also taking many, many classes. I got my Orosoma levels done. I did my Reiki, like anything I could get my hands on spiritually, I was in covens. I was a part of the pagan community there. I was on radio and newspapers. Like I was very active as well. I just kept those two worlds very separately. You know, one was work and one was not. So I had a huge amount of foundation before I moved and before I took the leap. Uh, So it helped a lot with the confidence, but that's how that started and and now we're here. Yeah. Why Canada? 
<laughs> Why does anyone dump everything and, and leave um, a relationship? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, it didn't work out, but he is the father of mm. my son. And we are very good friends and we have very good co-parents. Yeah. As a matter of fact, my friend here who is a law a lawyer for family law said if all of my clients were like you two, there would be no need for lawyers, which I'm very proud of. Oh, yeah. But, yes, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> of course. That's why. It's like, why do I live where I live right now? Love. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't quite you know, crossing oceans, but, you know, it was crossing counties. So. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And, <laughs> I'm a big proponent of like if I'd rather know, you know, what's going to happen in regards to like I don't want to be regretting like, oh, I could have, you know, that what yeah. is. Ugh, that's the worst, and I have my it? son. So yeah. like I can't, like it was so worth it. Yeah. Oh, aren't they just? Yes. So what's, what is your favourite thing about tarot? Oh, that sh- it never stops evolving. I think that is very important. When, you mean as a, as for you personally, or as a tool, both for like the world? Yeah, both. Mm-hmm. So when I got into tarot, there was very little available. There was very little diversity. You had to find a deck that worked for you, and thankfully there were, you know, US game systems and Llewellyn and other publishers that were still pumping them out and doing a great job, but there was just not the amount that was available. It was not in the, you know, the regular mainstream like it is now. And so it was a little bit difficult. But then it's evolved into this practice of it can be divination, although I'm finding, interestingly enough, a lot of people going away from that, but I am a diviner. I've got no problem saying that I I will absolutely get into predictive readings, but it is now used for counselling, art therapy, Mm. shadow work, like just self-reflection. There is, you know, Kickstarter changed everything, Um, Indiegogo, that kind of thing. Um, The Wild Unknown became massively popular and changed a lot of stuff. So the fact that it is this evolutionary tool that has these cosmic archetypes in it that we can still see ourselves in, all these years later that evolved from a tar- from a card game is pretty fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I love that as well. Cause like you say, you have got those archetypes, but really they they change and develop to reflect the culture as well. Absolutely. And those key archetypes are still there, yep. but maybe just presenting differently. So it's like they have to well, not they have to evolve, but it's like of course they've evolved as society does and continues to do so um yeah my very first tarot deck were the herbal tarot deck and it was the way before the days of like amazon and it was like oh my gosh there's a i can't remember what you used to call it like a mind body spirit shop and you go in there and there'd be the only place you could get your incense and your crystals and under the glass glass cabinet by the till they would have the tarot decks there that you couldn't really touch but you could have a look at (laughs) so yeah that was my very my very first deck so what was the first deck that you created yourself the first deck i created myself was the prince lenamont oracle and it's out of print at the moment and i painted it myself i remember (laughs) being up until like three in the morning painting because i couldn't sleep and I just 
yeah, it was a bit crazy. And then the next one was the Awakened Soul Oracle, mm. which is one of my most popular decks still to this day. And then it was the Bad Bitches Tarot. So you go back to your first deck. Why did you decide what was missing in the world of tarot cards that you were like, I have to like create my own? Was it like yeah. an intuitive knowing or was there like a gap in the market where you're like, you know, these cards aren't aren't reflecting what I or my clients want or need? That's a really good question. I guess for me it was just I had seen all these people doing their thing and starting to really lean into their vision of what these archetypes could represent and how they could show them. Mm-hmm. And I thought, fuck, why not, you know? So I did, however, notice that there was a lot of there was a lot of diversity lacking. So I would have to do a bit of research, but I believe I was one of the first to put a person card in the Lenaman Oracle decks instead of man woman. So I had a man woman oh, person. Okay. Yeah. I believe in my Awakened Soul Oracle, which I, you know, I have here. I was the first, one of the first to put bigger bodies, older people, um, same-sex couples, you know, that kind of diversity in the in the deck and a lot of different um, backgrounds. And then with the Bad Bitches Tarot, I was like, I'm just going to make it all feminine presenting. So even the archetype of the emperor is represented as feminine. So... I don't know. I just was like, fuck your traditions. No, not really. <laughs> but I just wanted to do something that was different. And thankfully, a lot of other people did as well. And now we have a lot more diversity and a lot more representation in our tools. Mm. And I'm not trying to say like, you know, I, I changed anything, but I definitely wanted to be someone who was like, this has got to change like I remember getting messages from people saying I finally see me in your in in a card deck and I was like damn like that's pretty cool yeah essential and yeah being the the forefront of that is amazing so how do you use tarot now obviously with your clients but I mean like on a more personal basis do you use it to like divine for your own self or do you go out to off to get other people to do that or do you use it as a tool of reflection and you know of introspection so I use it a lot for self-reflection and introspection and shadow work for mm-hmm. myself for my clients it's obviously you know whatever kind of reading they need um so I'll do that but honestly if I have a question that I need to step away from myself and really not put my bias on or it is more divinatory in practice I go to someone else like I have (laughs) I'm very fortunate to know a lot of amazing people Mm. So I go to them. I pick up the phone. I give them a call, and I'm like, "Hey, mate! Like, I <laughs> can you do me? Can you do me a solid? You know?" So I I know where the line is for myself. Of yeah, I can answer this for myself, or I can reflect on this. And I also know when I need to be calling a professional. Yeah, to- yeah. <laughs> it's like when I find myself shuffling the cards <laughs> and then going, "Oh no, not that one! I'll shuffle again." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, <laughs> I didn't see that. 
Yeah, and then, yeah. <laughs> then I teach and mentor. So a lot of what I really love is sharing my knowledge. Hence the reason why I mean I feel very drawn to create as much as I have and teach as much as I have because for me the tarot has been the most powerful transformative tool I have ever come across, and I want to hopefully help people find themselves in that as well and and access that tool. Every time you create a new deck, do you find yourself going through like a massive transformation as you're working through that entire like soul journey once again? It's a or lot. Are of you work. like, oh, you know, <laughs> I'm so used to this now. It just, I just like glide on through it all. I wish I could just glide on through it all. You know, <laughs> to be honest, sometimes I'm so busy that I don't stop and go, oh shit, that was a big lot of work. Like I don't. Mm kind of decompress from the labor and the effort and I just keep going. Uh, but I definitely, it de- it is definitely a lot of energy that goes into it and thought that goes into it. And I want to be proud of the tools that I create. So I do spend a lot of time with the artists that I work with and with the point of view of what we're creating. So, yeah, it is definitely a labor of love. And I, I guess I am transformed or, or I am changed. I just am terrible at stopping to, like, <laughs> to even recognize it. Yeah. No, I interviewed someone else, Alice Grist, and she said she wrote a book when she worked with a card, like every card, like intentionally. And she said by the end of it, she was like a completely different person. And because you've created so many decks now, I was wondering whether, you know, it forges you as much each time or whether you're kind of like, okay, here we go again. But it sounds like it's like, just keep going. It's a little <laughs> bit of both, right? Yeah. Because of the um the the Gemini. I have all mutable, my top three are mutable signs. So I have all these night placements <laughs> in in my chart. So for me, it's just this constant go, 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 go. Mm. I have every night of the the tarot in my car, in my Zodiac, sorry, my astrology. I think okay. Stop there a moment, if you will. How do you yeah. work out what what tarot you have in your astrology chart? Now there's so, an interesting question. Yeah, it's based on the zodiac sign. Uh-huh. Um, so every so there there are different placements depending mm-hmm. on what school of thought, whether if you're like Golden Dawn or you're uh, you're into the Toth tarot. So it really depends because there are lots of different versions out there. But the major arcana are either connected to a planet or luminary or a zodiac sign. And the court cards are all connected to a zodiac sign as well. So for me, I have Gemini Sun, which is the Knight of Swords, Mm -hmm. Pisces Moon, which is the Knight of Cups, and I have a Virgo rising, which is the Knight of Pentacles. And I have a whack of planets in Sagittarius, which is the Knight of Wands. So I have all of these knights, these mutable energies of action oh, in the chart. <laughs> yeah. So then, yeah, and Pisces moon. So it's like doubling down on the moon energy there. Mercurial sun, which is very flexible. Mm. And uh, the rising Virgo, which is pretty much the only reason I ever get anything done, to be honest. That Virgo <laughs> rising is 
really responsible for a ton of actual followers. Rounding it down. Yeah, there's a lot riding on that burger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you find, like, looking at your birth chart, and overlaying the tarot did you have lots of like oh moments when you did yeah. did that yeah I did yeah. and thankfully I've I mean I've been this curious little goblin for a long time so doing my um you know I learned I took many classes on the tarot and with my orosoma I don't know if you know what that is but it's not really big here in in Canada it's oh okay cool I found that it's a lot it's a lot bigger in the UK and in yeah. Europe. I've got bottles um, of the stuff, but like I like the yeah. pomandas, not the, not so much the colour swatches of them. Yeah, but I like the pomandas just to like clear. I love the pomandas yeah. and the quintessences, and I've got yep. a I've got all of them of those still. I had to sell my, I had the full display case with everything. Um, so I've got little oh, you've got oh, little yeah. test kits of them. People that can't see, I'm like showing off my little colours, my little test I kits love. of them. Love and I actually, the Orosoma Tarot is the reason why I'm still able to practice Orosoma because I have the bottle backs and I'm able mm. to still do those consulting and the, the consultations in a reading. And so you have to, when you're doing your, your courses, your levels with Orosoma, you do your um, your numerology and you do your astrology on top of it as well. And then I started to learn the Kabbalah and then that was a bunch more and then mm. I started to really learn the astrology and so every every time I do a new course or I, I meet a new teacher or I find a new modality I'm all I'm almost like just adding to this toolkit of understanding and then that kind of helps me um lock it all in into this like layered approach to to readings and to working with people I think that's so important isn't it like to bring in it's like yes you have a tool in front of you but it is a tool and it's like you connect into it and then like you say layer and layer and layer to add to the richness whether that's magic whether that's tarot whether it's your own craft whether it's having a nine to five it's like the more you can like layer it's like makes it richer experience for you and those around you so how did you first like connect in with your intuition because i guess the intuition is probably a key theme throughout the witchcraft and through oh, the tarot yeah yeah so what was that like for you because you mentioned earlier that it's like you saw spirits as a young child oh, yeah. like how did you yeah. navigate that how did your parents support you through that um i was yeah, it's like how does that how does that show up for you you know what i have to say one i am very lucky uh with the parents that i have and it was you know no parent is perfect I'm learning this <laughs> firsthand as a parent myself but um I had terrible nightmares reoccurring nightmares as a child I was always able to see spirit I found out that my mother was also able to see spirit and my father oh, so wow. my father is English he's from London and I did not expect to have the cool esoteric conversations with my dad about ghosts in the Tower of London and shit that I've been able to. And honestly, my dad is so fucking rad. Um, so <laughs> I'd have terrible nightmares. I would sense things. I would see spirit and I didn't want to. So I would shut mm -hmm. my eyes and just hope it would go away, but it, it never did. And so when these nightmares became debilitating, my parents took me to a child psychologist who worked with empathic children. Mm. And what she did was gave me meditations to listen to before bed. So they were guided meditations. 
And what that helped me do was really train my Claire's from a very young age. I had to, I can still tell you some of those. There was a rocket ship and like we would go into the stars. Like I can remember those visually as clear as day. And so through all that training of my Claire's from a very, very young age, little did they know that was maybe what they were doing, but that was what was happening. I was able to stop those reoccurring nightmares because I had trained myself so much to go, oh, no, this is a dream. And this very specific dream animation would happen. And I'd be like, no, and now I know this presence is coming. And I would stop it and get a little man in overalls and a blue shirt, white painter's overalls and a white hat. He would come out and paint the screen in my mind white. And then I could reset my dream and start again. So, yeah, they did me a solid. They really did me a solid on that one. Mm. And so my son, um, who is, we were talking about our kids earlier, um, turning nine this year, when he told me about the spirits that he was seeing, I already was like, cool, well, let's let's have a conversation. And yeah. I understand him a lot better. And so that was the first sort of Uh, awakening of the intuition and then I just I don't know I guess I've just never really thought about it all that much in regards to questioning it I've been Mm -hmm. very very fortunate to have been in the right place at the right time a lot of places and experiences and avoided a lot of shitty things that I found out that other people didn't that I could have experienced you know so I was lucky, very young, but it doesn't mean you can't start right now. No one is too old to reconnect because those pathways were there since we were, you know, created. Mm. Yeah, I've been talking about this a lot with people recently and it's like, you know, people and their imaginary friends when they're younger, it's like people are totally tapped in. And and again, with, with my little boy, I asked him the other day, I said, oh, I, I can't remember why, I was talking about something and I said, oh, do you? you know do you um something like believe in like dead people I think I said it's something really quite random he went, oh, <laughs> oh no mummy and I went oh and I said something and I said oh have you ever seen things that aren't there he said oh yeah there's two ghosts in my bedroom <laughs> he doesn't believe he doesn't believe that you know you can see after us I said oh really I said what, what are they up to and he said oh nothing really he goes they just stand over me and watch or just watch me go to sleep and I was like I said do they feel menacing and he's like oh no mummy and I was like you know you, you can like tell them to leave and you know might have used a few choice words um and he's like oh yeah because they, they just go sometimes and so he's not bothered and he's told me about two other times when he's seen stuff as well but you know he doesn't believe in any of it because and i'm like oh because of course school is telling him that you know these are stories and they're not real and yet he's like oh yeah but i've seen ghosts <laughs> yeah, like, but they're there but... But, but they don't exist and i thought it's just it's just really interesting isn't it like how even though our children are both very young it's like how easy they are to to mold really by being in society the way that it's set up so it's like yeah okay yeah. this is how you can deal with it you know this is what you can do and you know just giving them the tools and keeping the the conversation open yeah but if you didn't have parents like that it would be very easy just to dismiss yourself to doubt yourself to judge your own uh, like your own experience of the world Oh, they're not there, and then like you're feeling it or seeing things. You're like, like, well, what is that? Yeah. Oh, it doesn't exist. And then we have that for the rest of your life, and then you get to forty, and you, you know, I'm sure some of your clients are the same as mine. And it's like, I don't know how to trust myself. 
<laughs> it's like, I'm not surprised. Let's yeah, go and untangle all of that. So yeah. when you do have someone that maybe pr- comes to you and they're like, where do I start? How do I like start trusting my own interpretation of like the cards or their intuition? What kind of advice do you recommend they start with? Definitely learning how to shut out other people's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, stop listening to it. I mean, I think like very small amount of people are worth listening to, you know, when it comes to your own experience and your own intuition. It's just like, oh, goodness gracious. But it very much around getting in the body the body always knows the body will give you signs of whether this there is something incorrect or correct for you or out of alignment and space you know Mm -hmm. so if you can be by yourself I love alone time but if you can be by yourself and just listen to what is happening in your body in your mind and a really good output for that, whether it's journaling or, um, you know, having a, a group of friends you can speak to, speaking to a mentor or a coach or a counsellor, however that, however you can hold space for yourself through that. And then having a tool that can help guide you, whether that is you pick up an oracle deck or your runes or a tarot deck or a pendulum or whatever it is, finding something that's tangible so that mm. you can you can sort of trust it, you can hold it, touch it, all that kind of stuff. But I often, I mean, meditation is super important, but I am not the type of person who can sit and meditate for hours on end. Uh, I find that to be a special type of torture. Uh, <laughs> but I do very specific types of meditations, but it's not let's contemplate my navel. So finding something that will at least allow you to quiet the mind and really get back in touch with yourself. And one of my favorite questions to ask is, is this mine? Mm. So whenever a fear thought, a random thing pops into your head, or you're not sure about something, you can just ask, like, is this mine? And then really listen to your body because sometimes it's an old belief that your parents might've had, or it's an echo of something a friend said, or it is a conditioning that you've been brought up with that's not yours. And so you can just let that go if it's not yours. Yeah. I love that. So I always reckon when someone says to me, Oh, I feel overwhelmed. I'm like, is it yours? And yeah, quite totally. often they're like, Oh, um, and, you know, it just takes them out of that moment. And something else you said about coming back to the body, like that em- en- energy of embodiment, I don't know when like spirituality decided that we should be on top of a mountain meditating in absolute silence and solitude, why that was like the pinnacle of meditation. But I really think that, that, you know, the phrase come back to your senses, that's so important in so many ways. Cause it's like, is it mine (laughs) straight back into your own body? And it's like, Oh, is it instead of being caught up in the murky collective stuff that's going on like the shoulds the judgments the expectations like you say the echoes of the past I like being back in people laugh at me it's like when I first started practicing kinesiology which is what I've been doing for like 20 odd years it's like oh I had to go on a psychic protection course and I was like really what's what's one of them then and she said cold showers right Mm. cold showers clears your energetic field of everything and I was like and then I thought about it it's like cold plunge is exactly the same isn't it what happens you 
gasp for air. You're like, <gasps> and it is, you're back in your senses. But an easier way than a cold plunge, I find, is biting on a lemon. <laughs> that, that sourness just makes you go, oh my gosh. And straight away, it's like back in your senses, cutting out the noise. Because it's like that lemon just cuts through everything. And then you're yeah, like, the is it mine? <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, cold plunge or lemon is your friend. <laughs> yes. Was one of the reasons why I spent a lot of time in the ocean and mm. when growing up in Australia, you know, the just the, oh, the salt was even better. Yeah. Out of it is just like the best. Yeah. Yeah. I think anyone that's ever been to the seaside or pa- even like paddled in the sea, you just feel different energetically. The ions on the air, it's like we know that that influences us. So, yeah, <laughs> dive into the sea, take a breath, have a cold shower, or bite on a piece of lemon. All of that is <laughs> super, super important. Yeah. And um, how do you recommend people like find a deck that works for, for them? Um, I know that sounds a bit of a random question, but there are so many decks available today. I might have quite a few. You and me. Tens tens of them. Oh, I'm sure you have way, way more than me. But is it just a case of having a look at the imagery? Is it reading the textbook? Is it connecting with the person that's created them? Is it making your own even? Making your own is a big... That's a, a big, big ask. ask. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can. I mean, there's definitely um, traditions that I know of that that is a part of like your initiation is to make your own um, wow. deck. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a big project. I would recommend really researching the, well, looking at the images. Mm-hmm. So YouTube is your friend. Uh, I used to recommend people to look at a eclectic tarot um, when they would have some images up that you could look at but people do so many flip throughs on on youtube i mean i've got a bunch of them you know decks for beginners and things like that because if you can't connect with the images or it doesn't speak to you in a way that opens your intuition then what's the point you know it might be made by the nicest person ever um but if you can't read with it it's it's a tool that is unusable Mm -hmm. and yes i have many decks that I visually love but I can't read with and I'll keep it as a collector and as someone who appreciates the wide dynamic of tarot but the decks that I can use um, I know pretty quickly whether it's going to be something I can work with due to the imagery it's a visual tool you need to be able to to work with it I was talking to someone recently and they were doing a tarot tarot course and they had to use a specific deck and she's like but I don't resonate with it and I'm like <laughs> well get another deck and use the two together I was like yes. so then you're like comparatively being, yeah yeah I said so you've, you've got one that is like traditional and one that is speaking to you and they were like oh yeah. my god that's brilliant and I was like yeah it's like do the training the way that you know you've obviously been called to do that training I was like and just make it yours as well because i still yeah. i still think a lot of people we are, we're used to being good and doing as we're told and not wanting <laughs> to upset people and do it doing it our own way and it's like well sometimes you've just got to make it work for you haven't you so and it's i yeah. think it's okay to get a deck i've done this before I brought a deck and thought oh my god that's beautiful and like you said when i'm actually working with it i'm like oh actually it's not quite as it's not quite what i was after or maybe i changed as well you know that's quite possible and as that's- well that's yep. absolutely it. I mean, I've had workhorse decks that I don't work with anymore because 
over the the time I was working with it, that was exactly what I needed. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, moved on to something else. But I just started um, a new class, a group of people working with the tarot with me. And I do recommend using a Rider Waite Smith type deck. So mm-hmm. whether it is a type of Rider Waite Smith, because there's lots of them out there, or it's a clone deck for many reasons, because it is the most widely accessible mm. deck. It's the most information out there is going to be on that system. But I also say use whatever the frick you want. Like yeah. <laughs> the great thing about tarot and not necessarily cartomancy as a whole is that the system and the structure of the tarot, if you're working with a tarot deck, is 78 cards in a specific order, in a specific structure. So you can bring those meanings over mm. to a new deck. So I also think there's great merit in learning air quotes, like the traditional, like the rate the rider weight. Yeah, because then once you know, like again, air quotes, the basics, you can then change it. But if you get lost, you've always got the foundation to come back to whereas if you've started like three miles to the left and suddenly you get all lost and confused you don't have that solid backbone to come back to and I always think the basic I always think I'm like a a really boring witch it's like honestly nail the basics then make it your own because if anything goes a bit wonky you can always come back to the basics and work out where the wonkiness was (laughs) to get yourself back on track so I don't know whether that do you find that applies oh 100% so there's a couple of things in that that really resonated so the first thing I what I teach the Rider Waite Smith system. Mm. Like I learned the Rider Waite Smith system. I teach it. I love it. And what I say to everyone is, I'm going to teach you the bones yeah. of the tarot. I'm going to teach you in this system. If you like the Toth, go go do that. You know, if you wanted to learn the Tarot de Masse, go learn that. But I'm going to teach you the the Rider Waite Smith. I'm going to teach you the bones, mm. and then then we flesh it out. Then we look at intuition we look at symbols in the art we might bring in a little bit of the astrology we we then we have to look at context like it is an art form to be a reader so I definitely I like it's a beautiful layer cake if you don't like the bones sort of (laughs) analogy and then it's also the same when you're learning the rules of magic or the laws of the universe it's like you have to know the basics before Mm. you can learn how to work with it and manipulate it for lack of a better word to bring about the change that you're you're wanting you know so there is definitely a lot of merit to um learning the system and if you want to be an intuitive reader just go ahead and be an intuitive reader but no one should tell you how to work with your tools but uh i definitely like having the 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 basics very down i can pick up any tarot deck and read with it no matter what you know yeah there's great, great merit in that. And I always think that again with my own kinesiology practice, it's like how I learn is probably very different from how I practice now. But if somebody had learned that system, they would see where I had grown and evolved from, yeah, you know, yeah. and not that anything would go wrong. But, you know, if something felt a bit odd, it's like I could go back to the basics and I could just work the system. I could work the process and just feel confident in that rather mm-hmm. than just like letting my intuition go, whoosh, off we go over here. Let's go. I don't know, and maybe that maybe that comes with age. <laughs> but, I like giving yeah. my intuition a container. Yeah. You know, like so much is so infinite. You know, like a lot of people, a lot of my students are like, I don't know when to stop. I don't know when my intuitive hits is correct. I don't blah blah. Mm. You know, all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, 
Yeah, so you're putting a container on it. Are you telling it where its limit is or are you giving it a sandbox to play in or are you just like fucking allowing the, you know, the the cat to run loose on high on catnip? You know, you need to like yeah. give it a bit of a container to know where it's going, a little bit of a roadmap. And I'd say that's one of the most, again, boring witch me, um, one of the most important things I was ever taught is about being very intentional with energy and mm. intuition and all of those things. And it's like when I'm in with a client, I'll see things, hear things. Oh my God, sometimes I even taste things, you know, and it's like that deep knowing. But I always tell people, if I'm walking down the high street and I'm there going, oh, your shoulder's a bit wonky, isn't it? Oh, your hips are, oh, they've got a message coming through for you. I said, not only is that is that I think disin <laughs> I think it's rude because no one else has asked me to like connect in with them. But also I don't want to be living like that. I want to live in awe yeah. and wonder, not bombarded with everyone else's yeah. energetic gunk and smog. And so by having that container, if I'm in a session, all is welcome. Yeah, <laughs> if totally. I'm not, it's, it, you know, it, it's closed. And I think some, it is exciting when you start to open up those gifts, I think, and you can hear and you can feel and you can know but it shouldn't ever overwhelm. And I think that comes back to the, the idea of responsibility. And if more of us put containers, not not to contain, but to hold us, to hold ourselves sacred, our gifts sacred, our, our energy sacred, I think a lot of people would be much more confident in connecting with their intuition and less afraid of like zipping off to another dimension or having things in their field that they don't want. And again, maybe that comes with me having such structure when I first learned that I can go back to those basics. And I, it's like one of the first things I got taught was intentionality, clear containers. Cause I think if I didn't have that yeah. and my mind blew open to where it is today, I think I'd, I'd struggle to maintain any, any kind of order in my life. Well, it's all boundaries. Mm. And when you don't have a good boundary for your energetic practice or a boundary for what you will and will not accept on an energetic level, how are you going to have good boundaries anywhere else in your life? So yeah. boundaries I are my like best friend and yes, they get challenged and yes, I need to readjust them and I'm not always perfect because I definitely have weak spots, but I'm like hard boundaries, office hours, you know, this is when this is acceptable and this is when it's not. And people, <laughs> people ask me, you know, students ask me, oh, you know, what about I get all this bombardment? I'm like, well, tell them to stop. Like, tell your spirit guides, if this is life-threatening or I absolutely need to know, yeah, you can tell me at any time. But mm. if it's spirit coming to you, it's like back off. Like yep. you have no right to come at me when I have not invited you in. So just because you then, can doesn't mean yeah. you have to, is another favourite phrase of mine. Just because you can connect with spirit, spirit doesn't mean you have to do it 24-7. You are allowed to have spirit office hours too. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. How did you learn that yourself? <laughs> through trial oh. and error or just like through necessity of going, oh, my God, everyone just back off? I think it was survival, mm. um, at, you know, at a young age of being just terrified. Yep. And then it was professionally, I tell you what, nothing is going to teach you um, how to harden up, like working in some very cutthroat corporate environments. <laughs> and I did. It really toughened me up. And I, I did a lot of very good corporate training and, you know, went to university and I 
got some degrees and shit, but um it's it's a lot of a lot of mundane and magical things taught me that. Yeah. But because I found the framework of, you know, modern craft very young and I had to teach myself how not to be overwhelmed with spirit even younger, I was able to go, oh, okay, well, I see the merit of this. And then I fucked up a lot, honestly. Like <laughs> I would, you know, I would work little hours and burn myself out and then, you know, I would give everything to a relationship and then I would be like devastated when, you know, I was like, well, you ignored all the red flags, you know. So <laughs> I, have, I have learned through the hard knocks of life. Let's not get it twisted. But it was just like, oh, I need to be more responsible for how I'm working and, and presenting myself in the world and what experience I want. Mm. So thank goodness I had that that um, that foundation of what well, you're the one who's responsible. So guess what? Oh, I know that love hate relationship with like yay and boo at, yeah. the, at the same time. Yeah. yeah, it's like I was like I say, keep saying it's like I find myself boring. It's boundaries, it's energetic hygiene, it's taking responsibility, it's like stuff no one wants to hear. They want to hear about all the stuff that sounds exciting and magical, and it's like yes, and that comes afterwards. <laughs> I was about to say it's like that can only come really yeah. when everything else is taken care of, especially it's consistent so magic. Yeah, yes, especially very, like consistent. Yes. If you want yes. consistent results and like that awe and wonder and like living in the magic, you kind of get it by doing the foundations first. hundred oh, yeah. percent. I find that to be one of the funniest things when people, and maybe it's because I'm getting a little bit older too, but when I... Oh, I'm way older than you, we're fine. <laughs> no, I don't know, you know. <laughs> when new people come to the craft, for example, so I have every year new people are welcome, well, Every month people can join the coven, but I like the curriculum training opens every year. And when new people come and they're all excited and they want to learn the things, I'm like, oh no, they're going to figure, <laughs> just wait till they figure out how much work actually goes into this, you know, and then <laughs> then they, we might have a few people who are just like, yeah, this ain't for me. So it, it is, it's the, uh, it's the icky mundane shit, but that's how you get anything done. Yep. Yeah. It's put in <laughs> It's getting those foundations, you know, whether it's like writing a book, whether it's training for a marathon, whether it's, you know, getting that degree, going for that corporate job. Some of that is going to feel like like just like slogs, like tying up your shoelaces, putting your, your runners on and heading out the door in the rain. It's like sometimes that's just how we get fitter. Might not be sexy. Winning the medal and the trophy is amazing. That's what that's what we want. But it starts with getting up early, running before school or work and just doing that. So you talked about like going through lots of hard knocks in life as, you know, I think all of us would absolutely resonate with. How did you use tarot to help you navigate those times? A lot of it was confirmation that I was doing the right thing mm. or confirmation that, you know, this was just a, the storm was never going to last and I mean we can see that just even even in the representation of the fool's journey that change is always going to happen um and giving my intuition and my inner self a voice was really really important mm. and just remembering too that no matter what I'm going through in life as temporary as it may be whether that's positive or negative I can still choose to show up for other people regardless of what 
is going on for me. And sometimes I need a day where I hide in my, you know, hide in my doona, <laughs> in my bed and just, <laughs> you know. Wrap yourself up. Yeah, totally, and, like, do nothing. But there are days when it's like, okay, well, now I've got to, I'm going to pick myself back up and, and kind of go forward and be the change I want to see in the world and do all those sorts of things. But the tarot has been a constant companion of this is just, this is a, a lesson I'm learning and this is a part of my next initiation or my next, you know, position in life or my next role in life and we keep on going. Mm. I really um, liked what you said a minute ago about even when you're feeling rubbish and you're going through really hard times, you can still show up for others. And it's like we don't have to be our best all the time. Our value isn't because we show up as our best 100% self and we still have value even on our worst days. <laughs> you know, it's like we are yeah. still, you know, we still have that. Um, and I think sometimes, I mean, <laughs> I was like, I, I, I laugh sometimes about like the self-help industry and then I have to remember that's kind of the industry I'm in, um, <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh yeah. And I think there's a lot of um, harm might be a bit much, but I think there are some concepts that have been taken way out of context or usefulness. Mm -hmm. And I think like value is almost one of those where actually even on your worst day doesn't mean you still can't do good work, particularly as like entrepreneurs. It's like, yeah, of course you have value. And it's like, even if you're still feeling a bit ropey or you're having a day where you doubt yourself, that doesn't devalue who you are or or how you can show up to the world. It just mm -hmm. means you're having a bit of a ropey day because guess what? You're human. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you do want to do in a day and it doesn't mean that you've failed as a person. It's like far from it. It means like you're actually recognizing, do you know what? I need a bit of time out right now. And yep. you know, we were saying earlier, it's like, it's very lucky we both have our own businesses because we can be a bit more crafty with how we navigate those times. And you know, if we're working nine to five, it might not be quite so easy. But um, yeah, it's, it's I just always I go back to. I mean, and I've definitely had times when I have not been successful in this. But even on a bad day, I can still choose kindness. Like that's mm. the simplest fucking thing. Um. It's just like you can still choose to be kind, kind to yourself, kind to others, give yourself some grace, you know. And if you're feeling like a grumpy bear, like there are days when I'm definitely like not, I always say I'm not safe for human consumption that day. <laughs> um, I just know I'm like, okay, I recognize within myself that I am not doing okay today. Mm. So we're going to put the put the boundaries in place or put the things in place where I can be safe and everybody else can be safe. So yeah. not that I'm dangerous, but I know when I'm tired, I get cranky. Like I just don't want to crank over people. <laughs> yeah, my frustration comes out a lot easier when I'm tired. Mm. So or when I'm sick, I'm I'm much faster to kind of just go, I just can't, you know, with people. Yeah. So knowing where your limits are as well. And, you know, working nine to five is not necessarily the easiest when you're dealing with paying bills and showing up and dealing with shitty customers or whatever it may be, but then you can go home and be kind to yourself. Yeah. Or you can be kind to yourself that maybe you snapped at a customer because they were being a butt, you know, just be kind to yourself. Life is not always easy, but if you can just bring any kind of kindness, you're winning. Yeah. I love that. Um, I had an English teacher and she she would never let us use the word nice. She goes, 
she goes nice is it's a nonsense word she goes it's a biscuit and actually the biscuits in the uk they're spelled n-i-c-e now i'm not sure if they're called nice biscuits or if they're nice biscuits after the place in france but anyway she goes it's a biscuit and so many people i like talk to them about like how is it you want to shop in the world and they're like oh i just want to be nice i'm like please don't don't be nice be kind be compassionate be caring be inclusive don't be nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it doesn't really mean anything. But I think leading with kindness. Oh, can you imagine if like the majority of the world led with kindness? I know. Be, Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> yeah. Even and of course, some people don't need, don't deserve it. But yeah, but the kindness to yourself first of all. Yeah. So what do you have coming up? Oh my gosh. This is creative so in the next few months. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm working on my second book with Llewellyn. That can is, you give? Oh, go on then. Can you give us a sneak preview of what that is? It's well, it's a little bit of <laughs> it's a little bit under wraps, but oh, that's fair. It, <laughs> You'll have to come back and talk to us book. about it then. <laughs> another tarot book. It'll be out hopefully next year. Um, and so I'm working on finishing that one up. I am coming to the UK finally in October for the UK Tarot Conference. I'm going to be speaking there. And um, I it's been three years in the making, thanks COVID. So I'm finally going to be there. I have at least two new decks coming out this year because they have been sitting in this <laughs> awful perpetual Next, state of bring it up to? limbo. Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, a lot. <laughs> I think that'll be like nine and ten. I think. I yeah, think it must be double numbers, must not it? Top of my head. Mm. So I've got those two coming out. There, there's a lot. I'm currently teaching a tarot course, and then I'll be doing my advanced one after that, which is a, focusing on the astrology and symbols Ooh. of the tarot. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot going on. I'm constantly doing um, stuff. <laughs> So how do you rest and restore, replenish your energy in between all of that? Oh, that's a really good question. I love the sunshine. I really do wish we got more of it here in Vancouver. But um, <laughs> I love love a good sleep in. I'm a very big proponent of a very comfortable bed. I was talking and the other nice... day, pillows, man. They're the game oh, changer. Yeah. <laughs> good pillows. But, yeah, oh God, I love I'm my definitely in my mid forties now. <laughs> I love my dogs. I have oh, my two puppies that I yeah. just love. Um, spending time with my kiddo is great. I love. I'm a massive pop culture geek, huge. So yeah. I love going to the movies. I play Dungeons and Dragons with friends that I have now been in working with them and doing D and D with them for nearly three years now. We're going in and we're just we all just went and saw the Dungeons and Dragons movie together. I hear actually. it's good. It was so much fun. Yeah. I mean some of the mechanics you're like, that doesn't happen, but it was just such a great fun movie. Um I love video games. I yeah, I'm just a big old nerd. I love to paint. I love to journal and pen pal and create. So that's a lot of how I how I replenish my little cup. Brilliant. So obviously I'll put all the links in the show notes, but where is the best place for people to connect with you? So ethany.com is my website and I have, I'm on everything, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all those sorts of things. Um, yeah, it's been interesting with the, all the changes in social media, but 
yes, I have something over 700 videos on YouTube that you can go and, and watch and lots of free offers. And things <laughs> That's like that. a lot of time <laughs> for people yeah. to come and explore. Um, talking of which, if somebody was new to, yes. to you and Tarot, and you say you have a lot of free offers. What? Where would you recommend someone start? What's the best introduction to you and your work, to working with the tarot, to like all things incredible and ethne? Definitely have a look at either. I think either my, my YouTube or my Instagram feed. There's a lot of shorts on there now, mm. um, just to get like a bit of a flavor of how I teach and what my point of view is. And you're going to see a lot of my products and things about me I think I'm I mean I know I'm not for everybody I'm a swear bear and I'm a bit to the point but um if you kind of vibe with that then <laughs> then I'm probably then you're the woman probably right for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah definitely YouTube is a good place to start because there's a massive catalog of just mm. information everywhere and you can do you ever go back YouTube. and ever look at your older youtubes to see how you've evolved and changed and things like that or do you just stay away and just go just keep on heading forwards <laughs> i do because like i try to reply to the comments that people leave and some people leave comments to videos that are many years old yeah and i'm like damn my hair was long and you know <laughs> i do look at i do um but oh my god yeah you used to have really long straight hair didn't you really yeah. long really yeah. long hair i cut it all off last year i just had enough of it um but I'm now at the point of going, like, am I growing it out or am I keeping it short? And, again, I'm a Gemini, so I haven't made my mind up. Half and half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. No, it's it's amazing, isn't it, when you have that kind of, like, online presence that's been there for a long time and you just, like, look back and think, oh, that's, that's what was important at that moment or that's what my hair was like then or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for sharing so much so generous so generously today and like i say all your links will be in the show notes um so thank you thank you so much for having me it was an absolute pleasure <laughs>